Hello, everyone, and welcome to the VLGA Connect Weekly Governance Update. And surprise, surprise, Steve Cooper's here. Hello. Oh, Chris, what a surprise to see you too. Thank you. Indeed. How has your week been? Well, I was just wondering, has anything happened this week, Chris? Not a thing. No, really? it's been pretty, been pretty quiet, actually. Oh, no, our work done. Can, I, can I go? <laughs> I did hear on the grapevine that the elections are happening on the 24th of October. Who knew that? No, no deferral, no change. Seriously, good to have certainty. Nobody cares what I think, but I reckon it's the right call. I know there's some arguments, uh, valid arguments about why you'd want to defer, but I think we passed the point of no return a week or two back. What do you reckon? I'll assiduously avoid any comment other than to say <laughs> that um, the, the government statement also talked about an expectation that um, the COVID situation would allow um, the elections to take place. Um, the signs are good in that sense. So a, a reminder for everyone, stay home, social distance, wear a mask if you go out, you know, really important that we stay on message on that. But absolutely. Size of relief across the state, Chris, that governance managers didn't have to redo all the dates on their schedule. Well, that is one, that is one consideration. Uh, it's also, I don't think, not lost on people, the rolls close in about eight days, nine days as of recording this mm. is it? Yeah. 28th of however many days, wherever yeah. you are, 28th of August. Which is also uh, classed as uh, Entitlement Day, Steve. Mm. And um, uh, you and I have both been delivering candidate information workshops. I've been a bit surprised how often the question comes up, what do we mean by Entitlement Day? Yeah, how, how do you answer that question? I'd just say it's the point at which it's the end point for, for being on the roll. It's the date that counts. If someone um, settles or buys a house on the 27th of August, they own the property, they're entitled to be on the roll. Um, if they settle on the 29th of August, or actually at 4.30 on the 28th, they're too late and they, they're not included on the roll. So that's the date that counts. That's the example I used to. And maybe maybe you're a new Australian citizen and you're really interested in uh, running for, for council if that citizenship hasn't come through by the 28th of August. You're out of luck. Until exactly. next week. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. that's, that's what Entitlement Day is, is all about. The other one that comes up uh, quite frequently is the authorisation of electoral material. And I reckon people are probably overcomplicating it don't you? It's, it's, it's really not that complicated. Anyone can authorise your election material um, and you've just got to have a name and address. Exactly. And there's nothing, um, Section 287 um, doesn't say, for example, that um, councillors can't um, authorise or other candidates can't authorise. I think, Chris, you're right. The complexity is in um, overcooking it. If if a document or a publication might sway someone's vote, it's election material and people should work on the presumption that it should be authorised. It yeah. doesn't matter where it appears. So I was a bit stumped by that one the other night when someone asked me whether a sitting councillor, like a councillor had been asked to authorise the election statements for a new candidate. And I'm thinking, oh, I haven't come across this. I wouldn't have thought a candidate could authorise another candidate, but of course on reflection, there's nothing to say that you couldn't do that. No. But, but but what about a councillor perhaps using their councillor title in authorising statements for another council? What do you think about that? I think you've touched on a really good point, Chris, and it's a great reminder that candidates should read the, the VEC Candidate Handbook, especially the part about either 
misleading or using the resources of counsel. And I, I think there's a real risk. And again, we're not lawyers, but there's a real risk of a sitting councillor authorising a document um, such as that, some election material and using the title uh, councillor and leading a reader to believe that it comes from the council. And I think there's no good purpose served in using the councillor title in that. So why would you? Indeed, indeed. Um, and as Steve says, we're not lawyers. So I, I don't know why you listen to us every week. <laughs> stuff. We're happy that you do and that you're here. Lots of people, surprising, it surprises me every week. Lots of people watch this, uh, Stephen. The other thing that was just occurring to me about uh, uh, authorizations, it's just gone out of my mind now. So I'll come back to it. Um, the standards of conduct, uh, we've been told for a while that they're sitting on the minister's desk, or that's the that's the whisper. Um, these are going to be really important, aren't they, when when new councils get in and have to adopt their new code of conduct. So why do we say they're important, Steve? Um, because if leaders aren't creating culture, Chris, um, there's some doubt as to what's their purpose in an organisation. It is it is the biggest game in town. And it's not about the punitive stuff. It's about the fact that standards of conduct um, the code of conduct set the tone for the organisation and really deserve a lot of attention. So the other reason I'm really glad you raised it, Chris, is because, yes, you've heard what I've heard, that the um, publication of materials around standards of conduct, code of conduct, inductions and the governance and, in and integrity regulations will appear on the Engage Victoria website imminently. So right. people can... <laughs> That word. <laughs> so really important, good opportunity for the sector to um, uh, contribute to that and to think through not so much, I suppose, the content, but how will, um, how will each council, each newly elected council and administration make that content real? So I've been asked a couple of times, why isn't there just one code of conduct that every council and every councillor has to sign on to. My answer to that has been that each council and councillor needs to own their code of conduct. So within the framework that's set by the state, they need to actually have that conversation and go through that process and own the outcome. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? My work is done, Chris. You've <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and without being flippant, and this goes back to issues at a number of councils sort of in that period, 2008 to 2013, where the Local Government Act was subsequently ramped up. And the model was that whilst there are conduct principles in the Act, they need to be made real for each council. And um, it's an important function and we see what can go, A, what can go wrong when it's not done well, but also yeah. to not attend to this is to pass up the opportunity to be a high performing organisation. I think uh, there's a broader conversation there that we might come back to on another episode as that gets a bit closer, perhaps. And, and once the standards of conduct come out, because I'm really keen to see what, what the minister is going to say in those standards. He said to me when we met him via interview a few weeks back now that that conduct issue, that behaviour issue in the sector was of um, serious um, interest, concern to him. So um, uh, I'm really keen to see what these standards are going to say and what, what will be expected. I think, Chris, there's no reason for anyone to be surprised. I haven't seen them, I've got to say. I have no idea what's in them. But I, I would also say no one should be really surprised by what they see. You could divide the potential conduct into a range of headings. And, and going from starting with, you know, be nice to people, be courteous and respectful. Like, there will be something in there about that. 
if yeah. you look at recent ombudsman's reports and uh, Vago reports, there will be something about due diligence, about attending to budget, about you know monitoring quarterly reports, about performing that stewardship role. Um, yeah. There will be something that says comply with policies and procedures that they are not um, doc they're not window dressings. They are there for a reason. And I don't know what how you describe the last one. There is something about um, the councillors respecting the institution and um, and supporting their organisation and the sector, despite the fact that we deal with difficult issues. Now, I would be expecting that all of those things are going to be in there somewhere. But again, it's about, I think, for anyone um, putting themselves up for election, what would a process look like for the newly elected councillor group to own their standards of conduct and their code yes, of conduct yeah. in a way that builds yeah. culture? It, it, it's really about fleshing out the stuff that's in the acts that every councillor has to support the role of the council and support the role of the mayor and the, and the mayor needs to support the role of the councillors or the councillors in understanding their role etc it's yeah. really fleshing that stuff out isn't it, it it should be but i mean as we know chris these aren't the soft skills they can be hard skills because it's important when it's difficult it's important when you've got a contentious issue or when someone's done something that you don't agree with mm. that's when those standards become just critical for the for the smooth running of the organization yeah so steve the thing that i was uh, that, that just slipped my mind briefly when we were talking about authorizations was the social media angle oh. or element of that um quite often some questions in our workshops about you know what does carry or directly link to mean in terms of authorization of social media. So I just wanted to plug that uh, the VLGA is putting together a live panel session. Uh, we'll be able to say more very soon, but I think we're looking at late next week for a, uh, it's all about social media panel session. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. That's um, where would, the game is, isn't it? This time around. Any, any candidate not doing social media starts, um, is the back marker I would have thought, Chris. And the other thing, it's another reminder, and I know I've done it twice today, is, is for candidates to read the candidate handbook because I know it touches on that topic and then to come along to the the, um, the VLGA remote workshop um, prepared with some good questions. Yeah, excellent. And Steve, uh, shameless plug for you. Congratulations on the launch of your podcast, Making a Difference, which I think is fabulous. Really enjoyed your first uh, interview and uh, wish you every success with it. Thanks, Chris. Uh, well, look forward to the next one in September. Look for it on uh, Spotify. That's where I found it. Thanks, Steve. Great to talk, as Thanks, always, Chris. on The Governor's. Have a good week. We'll see you soon. Terrific. Thanks, Chris. Steve Cooper from Civic Mind joining us as he does each and every week here for the Governance Update on VLGA Connect.